Hello and welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Appreciate you all the same and just wanted to start off this episode before we really got into it with a little general Subway Sports Talk SST update, if you will. Uh, we did not have an episode last week, so I wanted to say sorry for that. There's so much sports going on. The last thing I want to do is miss a week or miss an opportunity to put out some content, but I was under the weather feeling real sick and sinusy. Didn't want to sound like crap. I also felt like crap. So doing an episode just didn't, you know, didn't fall into the cards last week, but we're back better than ever this week. We got football coming up with Pat Boyle and Rocco Del Puri talking all things week five and moving forward. Uh, but with the week off, I, I was able to hear for, from some folks who listened to the show asking, you know, where's the episode and what happened? There's football, there's basketball. Like, where, where are we at? I need, I need you for the run. And hearing that stuff was awesome. Uh, obviously, I wish it wasn't because I missed a week. But nonetheless, when I hear that people are, are liking the pod or miss the pod when we don't have an episode or, or want more, that just means the absolute world to me. I was lucky enough to run into some folks at a charity event uh, this weekend where there are people who I knew or have known for a while but didn't know that they listen to or support the pod and people are asking how it's going. And, and that was so freaking cool, man. You know, people who I didn't realize were supporting or enjoying the show let me know that they're liking it, and that's just freaking awesome. And uh, it, it makes me just want to come out here each week even more so and give out that content, and hopefully you guys keep enjoying it. Let me know what you want to hear more of, because that, that's it. When when you guys tell me you want something, I'm going to try to deliver it, and, and we have some more stuff coming up. Now, obviously, basketball just ended. Shout out the Lakers. Got the championship that, you know what, we may have not realized throughout the whole season, but they may have been the guys all along. The two best players ended up winning it all, and LeBron James gets his fourth title. The only unfortunate part of this is that despite how great the NBA did putting this bubble together and keeping the energy high and making it feel big and important throughout, it did lack a little luster when it came to the finals. And that could be a couple different reasons. You know, maybe a lot of people felt so confident LeBron and Lakers were going to win, didn't feel like they needed to tune in with football on and the Yankees in the playoffs and MLB playoffs. Or maybe the juice left the bu- the bubble in the second round and the and the conference finals because those rounds were so exciting and so big. Um, it's a bunch of different reasons. I'm not really sure. I think we were, maybe we were just basketballed out. It was a really heavy dosage of basketball for the past like 90 days almost now, which is crazy to think about. And even us, the NBA outsiders who adore basketball, adore the NBA, uh, we were even feeling a little fried. So if you were feeling fried with basketball, understood. But nonetheless, still enjoyed the finals uh, to an extent. Obviously, wish we had a little more, uh, you know, of a climactic ending with the, you know, game six, maybe. Who knows what it was or if it ended in game five. I don't know. But nonetheless, the Lakers win it. And LeBron and AD will probably now enter next year as the favorites yet again. And I don't see a reason to believe otherwise because they are the best. LeBron is still the best. And he reminded us yet again. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the LeBron haters and what do you really hate about him and how can you hate this guy? I don't even care about any of it, man. I'm thrilled to get to watch this dude. Never been the the most specific LeBron fan, the biggest LeBron fan, but, you know, in the past 10 years, specifically since he, he really been in that heat run, I, I've just started to sit back and say, damn, I'm seeing greatness. 
and I'm lucky and I, and I appreciate it. And, and for all this stuff about, oh, it's, it's going to be heat every year. It's not. They lost two. Oh, it's going to be the Warriors every year. It's not. They lost two. And now that team wasn't even in the playoffs. So the basketball is never, never not changing. But the only constant we've had has been LeBron James wherever he's been. And that's damn impressive. I'm just saying. So it wasn't the finals we all dreamed of. Hopefully by next year we can figure out a way to get fans in because we did miss that in the finals, I think, more than any other round. And uh, one thing we can count on may not be fans in the arenas. We can count on LeBron being in it when it matters most. But before I go on too far, just wanted to get that out there. We will be back with more episodes wrapping up basketball. Uh, Now the draft and free agency start to come into play in the next couple weeks, but we're going to be football heavy. We do have the MLB playoffs. We have the Yankees out. Uh, We'll see if Alec and Andrew can muster up enough pride and energy uh, to do a wrap-up on the Yankee season and then talk about the rest of the MLB playoffs. We'll see what happens there. Uh, But definitely basketball, free agency, and draft in the future. But football heavy, baby, because football is in the full swing. Hopefully the COVID stuff can be figured out. We don't have to worry about that as much moving forward. Obviously now, still a tough situation there. And there's there's nothing else to say, right? People still test positive. We still, you know, have to deal with it. Fantasy sucks because of it. Gambling kind of stinks because of it. And uh, other than that, we've seen some really great football. And let's just hope to keep it that way. But for now, we, we talk some great football. Rocco Del Piori, Patrick Royal, myself, Pete Kennedy. That's it. Subway Sports Talk. That's the update. Here's the show right now. Subway Sports Talk. Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. Thank you as always for tuning in on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Appreciate you all the same. We had a little bit of a week hiatus there. Uh, unfortunately, your boy was under the weather. I was uh, playing Frosted Flakes with Pat and Rock. I was like, all right, I'm not feeling good. We'll go Wednesday. All right, not feeling good. We'll go Thursday. I'm not feeling good. Let's do one last one on Friday. I'm like, no, you know what? We'll take the week off. I'm feeling healthy. I don't sound like Squidward on the pod. It's all good. There's a lot of sports. There's too much sports. What do you even talk about? Now we're back. NBA's over. Football's in the full swing. Yankees are unfortunately out, but we're here. Subway Sports Talk, also here. Pat Boyle, what's up, dog? Hey, what's up, man? Look, dude, there's a couple of things I just want to say really quickly. There's three things that are certain in life. Life, death, taxes, and betting against the Jets on the spread. You will win money every week. The only thing stopping the Jets from going 0-16 is if they get COVID and go 0-15. So just want to remind any Jets fans out there, welcome back. It's You're still you're still at the bottom of the dumpster. Oh, my God. You could have started off on a positive note with your Browns or something, and you just got to you know, kick them while they're down. It's, a, it's all good. The Jets deserve it, to be honest. And uh, Rocco Del Piori, he doesn't deserve any hate. He deserves all the love. What's up, dude? Gentlemen, here we are another night. Talking NFL, crazy weekend. 
the guy Dak goes down, mm. prayers up to him. Chase Claypool emerges as a top wide receiver. Another guy the Jets could have ta- taken, but they didn't. And here we are talking about the combined 0-10 New York Jets and New York Giants. Oh, God. It's unbelievable. I, as a Jets fan, you must watch. I think, honestly, the Patriots fans must watch this, too. Of all the receivers in the league who you could have had that you just didn't take, like, the, the, the Patriots haven't, you know, drafted a receiver that's good. I mean, Nikhil Harry could be good still in, in years, ever, maybe. I don't even know when the Patriots drafted a receiver that's going to be has been good. They didn't draft Edelman, did they? I forget now. But it doesn't matter. Um, the Jets, too. They just can't seem to get it right there. And you watch teams like the Steelers who seem to draft only stud receivers. Even a team like the Raiders now who have put together a group of skill players and just beat the Chiefs. It's like, why can't some of our teams consistently get playmakers in positions to succeed? It doesn't seem to happen. Uh, the development... You know, maybe for the Giants is there. Shepard, not bad, but injured all the time. Slayton had a nice game, uh, probably first one since week one, but I don't know. There, there's a lot to talk about. We're probably not going to spend too much time on the Jets or Giants this week uh, just because I think we're exhausted from it. What else is there to say? These teams are not good. We are going to discuss the, the Giants-Cowboys game, obviously in regards to Dak and then the NFC East. Also on the docket, though, for today, we're going to talk about some of the teams around the league. Some who are disappointments, but not all disappointments. Some who truly have been impressive uh, to this point. Just mentioned the Raiders and the Steelers, and those are two teams that going into this week, you know, you feel good about. And then after this week, you're like, wait, no, these teams are legit. Like, the Steelers look like they can be back. Their defense flies around, Big Ben, weapons, whatever. The Raiders beat the Chiefs, and then, of course, we'll talk about, you know, Viking Seahawks and the ups and downs of that game. The Browns, another team that have been impressive to this point. And uh, on the flip side, two teams that haven't been so impressive the Colts, who the Browns just beat, and maybe the Bucks too. So those are teams we're going to get into. Uh, and then we have another segment that we'll save for later. I won't even tease it now. We'll just get to it at the end. I think we got to start with one place, though, right? And that is, unfortunately, Dak Prescott. Now, the injury was gruesome. I mean, there's not really much else left to be said about that. It's terrible to see whether you're a Giants fan and you despise the Cowboys and you don't like Dak Prescott – it's just such a terrible thing. You hate to see it. I think what I can say about Dak Prescott with the utmost confidence is not that he is the best quarterback in the league, obviously, but that dude, that human being, is a elite-level human being quarterback, right? Face of the franchise. Says the right things, does the right things, has the respect not only of his teammates but of players around the league, clearly. He is a franchise elite-level human being quarterback. He can handle being the face of any franchise, clearly, if he can handle the Cowboys with the elegance that he does. So you hate to see it. He's putting up great numbers, but obviously the Cowboys have other issues. Um, You know, Rock, I'll go to you first. Like, seeing an injury like that, I mean, you know, what goes through your head first? Obviously, it's terribly sad, and you hate to see it, but when you saw it happen, and then, you know, what pops in your head after that? I've, I've, unfortunately, Pete and uh, Pat, I've been on that side of the fence uh, two times already as a coach. So just to see the, you know, the player go through that in that moment on national TV and then the, you know, the teammates, the, the staff, um, you know, it's, uh, it's very tough. And then you I always look at the, the play after that last play and see how, 
everyone's all tentative, you know. It, it, it doesn't look like the play prior because they're still thinking about it. They're still nervous. But um, I do believe the Cowboys will play for him. And I think they will go on a little tear right now uh, with the things you just said that this kid, Dak Prescott, is a true leader. You know, he had, uh, he came out and talked about mental health and uh, a lot of people rallied around him. Um, he was in that year where he could have took a max contract before, for more money, took the gamble. And uh, people are saying, you know, he might he might be on the short end of it, but uh, I think he'll bounce back. I, I believe he will. It's a four to six month recovery, so he's out this year. Um, you know, let's hope all goes well in the uh, rehab, and uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Giants were a win away from being in first place in the uh, NFC East, or at least yeah, yeah, right tied. there. It, it It's crazy to think that, but it's true. I mean, the Eagles, who played a decent game against the Steelers, right? Ups and downs, they had a chance to win. They definitely had a chance to cover. And, uh, yes, that's coming from somebody who bet on the Eagles this weekend. But uh, they played tight against a team in the Steelers who's pretty good. But this NFC East is, is crazily up for grabs still. And with all the negativity and sadness that comes with Dak Prescott's injury and now, you know, the conversations on ESPN and FS1 and all these big podcasts and stuff, was all about oh the Cowboys should have paid him and uh, Jerry Jones like you know maybe, maybe Jerry Jones should have offered more initially now look at him he's going to lose out on this money you know there's there's going to be ways for him to still get his money and hopefully he gets as much as he could he also could have taken uh, a contract before the season just wouldn't have been exactly what he wanted so I don't even want to have that whole conversation about what could have should have would have been with the contract he's making thirty million this year and. If all things go well, which according to reports they are so far after surgery, you know, he could have a a nice career ahead of him still. Hopefully he can mentally adjust from a gruesome injury like that. But let's talk about this NFC East because the Cowboys now lost a quarterback. Perhaps, you know, they're banged up at a bunch of positions, but perhaps the only position they could afford it, the smallest gap between you know, starter and backup for them may be outside of the receiving core because their receiving core is outrageous quarterback, right? Andy Dalton is no slouch. But we look at this team, and they just made the Giants look like they have good players on offense. It's insane. The Giants has put up 30 points. Can we even confidently say that any team has an edge here, Pat? Do, do the Giants still have a weird chance because they're only a game or two out of the NFC East? Like, how ridiculous would it be for any of these NFC East teams, now obviously it's more likely than not it'll be the Eagles or the Cowboys. But what the hell is up with the NFC East right now? It's just a group of very, very bad, pathetic football teams. Ones that, for the most part, are very, very tough to watch. Uh, that being said, we know the, the positions that Washington and the Giants are in, rebuilding coming into the year. Washington, it's gotten worse. They've already ditched their quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is out. That's a decision Ron Rivera wanted to make from the start. He's finally got the uh, enough Husto in the building to make it. Um, but that being said, I was terrified for Alex Smith's life, watching Aaron, Don- Aaron Donald and that Rams front seven destroy him in his first game back from one of the greatest comebacks from injuries we'll ever see. So that was scary to see. And Alex Smith and Kyle Allen don't give me any confidence that Washington is going to be able to win football games. Then we've got the Giants who – Honestly, they probably should have two wins by now. And if they are two and three, 
having won that game against the Cowboys on Sunday and having won the game against Chicago in which they had a chance to win it, along with basically being in just about every other game except for the game against San Francisco, maybe I'm saying, hey, you know, this is the Giants' division to win. But unfortunately, they are 0-5, and I'm just not seeing enough on a week-to-week basis from them to believe that even at 0-5, they've got a chance to win the division. So for me, then it comes down to two teams. It comes down to, like you said, Dallas and Philly. And I can't, one, I can't logically, and two, I can't, you know, die on the hill that I've been on for the last couple of weeks. And that is that the Eagles are a horrendous, pathetic organization. The way that they've gone about each and every week um, to kind of at least come back and and make that game competitive against the Steelers, but a game that they were never really in. Um, I, I just, I don't think Carson Wentz is the quarterback for them. Pete, we can go at it for hours on this. Bring it. I just think the Eagles offensive line is terrible. The defense doesn't do enough to give you any idea, any confidence that they're going to win. So for me, it's the Cowboys, even without Dak Prescott and even with one of the historically worst defenses in the NFL, Andy Dalton, as you mentioned, is no slouch. He's a very serviceable quarterback. They still have far too many weapons on offense and the division compared to them is just still that bad to the, to the point where at two and three, I think they are a mile ahead of the rest of the division and they would have to really screw up even with Dalton to not win the NFC least. Mm. I think that's where you're going to see if Mike McCarthy is worth, you know, is worth it all. Let's see how the offense looks with a week of preparation with a veteran quarterback. If you go back to, we're going to establish the run, we're going to move the pocket. But Cardinals coming in on Monday night, explosive offense. Uh, they're going to have to keep up the score with them because the the Cowboys are definitely lacking on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, we will see a potential 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight NFC East team hosting a playoff game. Oh, my God. It's like it almost feels inevitable, right? It feels like that's definitely going to happen, and that's tough. And, you know, the only thing the Eagles can hang their hat on, I think, in in their whole roster, if you don't want to commit to saying Carson Wentz can help them win games, is uh, their pass rush, right? That's the only thing they kind of have going for them. They are rushing the quarterback pretty well. And and I'm going to this. There's a – Rock, you said it in the open, I think, about the Cowboys, or when we first started talking about this – there's going to be a moment in these next three weeks where the Cowboys either win two out of three or maybe they win three in a row. Who knows what happens exactly? But they're going to start saying, oh, is Andy Dalton a better quarterback than Dak Prescott? And it's going to be an unfortunate conversation uh, because there could just be some defensive things that are happening for the Cowboys that are helping them turn these offensive performances into wins. Meanwhile, their offense is kind of more of the same. But what do we know about Andy Dalton? He can spread the ball around and he could kind of put the ball in the hands of the playmakers. Even when that team was bad towards the end and Andy Dalton was on his way out of Cincinnati, you still looked at some of their guys as people who were going to get theirs. You wanted to have some of their players on your fantasy team because they're not going to just go three and out every single time. It may feel like Andy Dalton's one of those quarterbacks who absolutely stinks and he you know, goes three and out ten times a game, but it's just not true. He moves the ball, he spreads it around, and goddamn, are these Cowboys receivers incredibly talented. Michael Gallup is a really, really good receiver. And he gets lost in the mix almost every game so far to this point because uh, Cooper, who also can kind of get lost in the mix for different reasons, is is there. And then CeeDee Lamb is there. And then Dalton Schultz looks good. And Zeke, we obviously know what he can do even out of the backfield. So 
there's weapons, and if Andy Dalton could do anything, it's spread the ball around and make enough plays to keep the ball moving with these playmakers. We can actually see this offense keep pretty close to the same level of consistency here, if not, you know, some slight more upside, maybe despite the running ability of Andy Dal- uh, of uh, Dak Prescott, Andy could have a little bit more to give in the pass game. We don't know that specifically, and it's hard to say because Dak leads the league in passing yards right now despite his injury. Uh, but th- that's possible, right? Like Andy Dalton, think back to Andy Dalton, you know, it was like three, four years ago. Wasn't there a five-year stretch they made the playoffs every single year? There's a reason for that. My guy was slinging the ball around. A.J. Green was a stud. Now he's got three A.J. Greens. Can we see this offense, uh, Pat, still be like absolute top tier with Andy Dalton? Yeah, well, Pete, you might need to pump the brakes a little bit. I wouldn't say he has three A.J. Greens. I mean, put some respect on oh, A.J. Well, Green's you know. name. Dude. I I understand what you're saying, though. That's true. You're right. He does he does have a couple of legit weapons in Gallup, Lamb, and Cooper, plus the best probably all-purpose running back in the league with Elliott. The only thing that, you know, I failed to mention before, and I kind of have to backtrack a bit, is that the Cowboys are without their two starting tackles now for the rest of the year. Mm. So their offensive line, much like, again, you know, that's, that's the NFL today. You're basically going to finish the year with probably a third, if not half of your squad of your starters. So that's not really an excuse when you consider every other team's got injuries, but they are now down two starting linemen for the year. So that is going to be interesting to see how their line holds up. If it does, uh, they still have one of the most explosive offenses. I'm a believer in Andy Dalton. I think he got benched basically so that the Bengals could tank and get Joe Burrow. Um, And they also have had, you know, some head coaching inefficiencies for basically the last two years uh, with a coach that couldn't win a damn playoff game to save his life. So again, I still think this is the Cowboys division to, to lose. I still think that offense is legit, even with Dalton under center. That's an NFL vet that you mentioned with the right weapons. He can spread the ball around and that's a guy that can throw for 250, 300 yards on almost any given week. Absolutely. You know, and you're right. I did. I need to, I need the brakes pump there. I appreciate that. AJ green, you know, maybe a little too recency bias watching him not look so I, I hot. I get where you were going, though. I, but, I, uh, I you know, those three guys out there for, for Dallas. And even though what's Cedric Wilson, pretty good player. <laughs> the, the Jets can't find one receiver. The Cowboys got freaking four. They oh, really my God. But wait, Rock, can you, can, you, um, can you talk me into the Eagles winning this division, or do you think the Cowboys are the true favorite here? I'm not a big fan of the, uh, the Eagles. I think they, uh, they came and went. Um, oh, you you had a you had a chance there at an easy pun right there, easy layup. Came uh, and went. I've I've been known to miss layups, not like you. I know you you don't miss. <laughs> yeah, I wish. The more the more you garbage guy, I'll, I'll take a take a charge, box <laughs> out a little bit, shoot fifty percent from the free throw line. No, but um, uh, you know, can the Eagles win the division? Yeah, because look what we're talking about. We're talking about the NFC East with some, you know, some average teams right now. Um, but I think they lost their fire. Um, their roster has holes. Their role line isn't as good as you you thought it was or it was back in the Super Bowl run. Um, can Carson Wentz get hot again, potentially? Um, they would have needed to win. They would have needed to win yesterday to show me that they're really in it to beat a good team like the the Steelers. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think I'm still leaning. 
I've been on the Eagles the whole time, so I'm not changing here. I actually, you know, not that I feel worse about the Eagles winning a division here because Andy Dalton is better than Dak Prescott's not exactly the case. I, I do just kind of, I have this thing with the Cowboys now. It's like, all right, there's almost something to play for for them now, more so than there was before. And now there's something to coach for in Mike McCarthy. I don't feel great about Mike McCarthy. I'm still going with Eagles here, but I, I'm considering this just as much of a toss-up at the, as the division uh, as I did before Dak went out, basically, is my point there. But we can move on off the NFC East. I don't think there's anything to say about the Giants, except, you know, Pat, you kind of touched on it before. There is a weird lane here where the Giants could have won two, possibly three games already. Do, is there a point in this season that you guys expect some of these late uh, moment opportunities to turn positive for the Giants here? Or do we kind of think it's just going to be them you know, doing the semi-tank. You know, in football, they don't tank like they do in basketball. It's just like a semi-tank where they're trying to make sure they got a good draft pick and we see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields here next year. Or do we see some of these late-game, you know, woes turn into heroics for the Giants? Because it's possible, and there's opportunity there for Daniel Jones and this team. Uh, until they can do it, Pete, until they show me they can do it, uh, I'm not going to say that they can because they've had ample opportunities, like we mentioned you know, they were basically in that game until the last couple of minutes against Pittsburgh with that tip pass interception, uh, which Jones should have thrown away sooner. The game against Chicago, they got a chance to drive down the field and score on the last play of the game. The play with the Rams, they've got a chance to put themselves in a position to win that game. And then again on Sunday, the Cowboys. So you can legitimately make the argument that they've had a chance in the last quarter to, to win four games already. And they've failed all of them. And on top of that, you know, this is a team more than most that needs to stay healthy. They can't afford injuries. They now lost Lorenzo Carter, who's got a ruptured Achilles, who was basically their stud linebacker. So, I mean, they're losing guys that they can't afford to lose. Who knows when Sterling Shepard's going to come back? They just don't have enough pieces on this team as it be, as we started with to compete and make a playoff. And now they're losing guys to injuries that they absolutely cannot afford to lose. So, I mean, I'm sure that they, one of the two games, if not both, with Washington are going to come down to the final couple of minutes. Um, if they can prove to you that they can win one of those games, maybe. But at this point, I still have no confidence. Yeah. and, and oh, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, I, I, uh, I agree with Pat. Uh, it, it, you know, it's the same, same story, different day. It, Daniel Jones is, is really underperformed this year. Had a lot of turnovers, 18 career games, 17 of them turnovers. You know, but then I think back to that Bucks game, one of his first his one of his first games, mm-hmm. he tore it up. So I do believe he's got one of those in him, and I'm hoping he does. So the Jets get Trevor Lawrence. But <laughs> um they could easily have beaten the uh the the Bears that night. And then yeah, they played well against the Steelers, but uh, I want to see more consistency out of Daniel Jones because I think the head coach is going to give them a shot. And I do think they're going to develop this, this organization over the next three or four years with something they've, they haven't done since the Super Bowl year. Right. And the reason I even feel like it's okay to ask the question is because of the pride of Gettleman and how much he probably doesn't want to admit he's wrong, right? With the with the Jets right now, Joe Douglas didn't really draft most of these, you know, huge cornerstone pieces at this point of the Jets. There's a lot that can be ripped apart with the Jets. Uh, with the Giants, 
Gettleman drafted Daniel Jones, and he took a big swing on him. Does that pride play into the fact that he lets them hang around, and he really pushes his team, or he and Joe Judge and Garrett and, and the whole organization pushes to take any wins they can get, and it's one of those situations where, oh, all of a sudden, the Giants, you know, win four out of six in the end of the season, and they end up going, you know, five and 11 rather than, you know, one and 15, two and 14, something ridiculous like that. I think that's an actual possibility. And then we get into the offseason again where we go, oh, no, look at what Daniel Jones did in, in, in the end of the year. He can build on that, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, another team walks away with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and there's more lackluster performances, lackluster clutch performances from Daniel Jones in the future if he can never truly figure it out. But it's a conversation to have due to David Gettleman likely being the prideful man he is trying to prove that Daniel Jones pick is right. I don't think they're going to just move off it real quick. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep monitoring that. Um, But now it's time to move off the NFC East because we got some good football to talk about. But actually, you know what? Before we do, I did want to say this. I saw a little Instagram post today. Uh, about injuries. We just talked about it with the Eagles and the Cowboys and everybody, the Giants too. So the this is a list of top players or most players on IR currently in the NFL. The Niners and Cowboys are tied with 13 each. The Broncos have 12. Eagles 11, Giants 9, and then four teams are tied with eight. So the NFC East has three teams in the top five uh, for most players on IR right now. That's that's pretty good. And then obviously the team is the other team is the Redskins or the football team, sorry. And uh, they ain't that good either. So that's what it is. Anyways, on Subway Sports Talk, let's move on to our next uh, our next topic here. And I think Pat, I'm just gonna give it to you. I said we were moving on to a positive, but that's not the case. I want to get to this one first, just for uh, continuity's sake. It feels like this game was played years ago, but uh, I do want to talk about it. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's gonna be a uh, trend on this podcast to revisit based off some strong takes that took place on this podcast in the past. So you're disappointed. You told me before the pod that you didn't expect to be trashing Tom Brady anytime soon, but you feel like you have to. So the floor is yours, Pat Boyle. What do you got for me? Yeah. I mean, obviously this is one of the greatest winners in competitive sports that we've seen in our generation for the past 20 years. Tom Brady, for the most part, has never done anything wrong for the most part. Um, on the field. He's one of the most decorated athletes with the plethora of Super Bowl titles. Uh, He's constantly been heralded as a guy that's been a leader, a winner, a competitor. But I had a real, real problem with what went down on Thursday, Pete. Any other quarterback in the league on one of the final plays of the game and a chance to lead your team down the field and complete a heroic fourth quarter, last minute drive would get crushed for forgetting that it's fourth down and therefore not getting the first down results in the game being over. Think about if we saw that from Daniel Jones. Think about if we saw that from Sam Darnold. We saw Tom Brady on fourth and I believe it was nine. It was a lot of yardage to get. So who knows if they even would have gotten it. But we saw Tom Brady on fourth down with the game on the line, throw an incomplete pass and then hold his hand up signaling that it was about to be fourth down. That is unacceptable from anybody, let alone arguably the greatest winning quarterback in the history of this sport. And for then, for him to run off the field, not shake Foles' hand, which 
you know, we, we, we can make the same argument about what LeBron did in game five. I didn't have, I didn't take too much exception with that basically because that's a, you know, best of seven series, you lose one game, whatever, you're going to shake hands, you know, after the series is over. So I didn't have a, a huge problem with that, but I have a huge problem with a game of football where you play it once a week against a different team and the quarterbacks always go to the middle, the coaches and the quarterbacks. Those are the two players, two people that always go to the middle to shake hands. And for Tom Brady to lose that game and then run off the field, basically in shame, kind of with his tail between his legs, in my opinion, was one, a shameful way to lose. And then two, in the press conference to not own up to the mistakes where we've seen Brady in the past, not afraid to hold other people accountable, to hold himself accountable. He didn't hold himself accountable at all. They asked him twice. Did you know it was fourth down? Did you forget that it was fourth down? What happened? He goes, I knew we needed a chunk. Yeah, yeah, you needed a chunk or the game was over. And he's standing there, fourth down, holding his hand up, thinking that the game was still intact. That, that to me, is un- unbelievable. He went and what? For that, and for that to happen to Brady, uh, I mean, I've lost a little bit of respect for him, to be honest. Wow. And, I now, mean, and now in the last couple oh. of months, we've got him walking into somebody else's home and we've got him forgetting what play it was. So I'm either a little bit worried that Tom might have some CTE oh building my God. up, which oh I'm not God. even making a joke. Right. I mean, hey, or you know I, what? Or I am making a joke. And since he's gotten to Tampa Bay, maybe he's been hanging out with J.R. Smith too much in the bubble. And they've been, <laughs> they've been rolling up and they've been, you know, smoking some kush. Because that's that's bad, man. You know what? That's I, bad what's happened. I, I wasn't going to go as far as, like, I'm going to lose a little respect for him or anything like that. But I, I do have a underlying thing in my head with Tom Brady that like, he's just not a human. Like he's not a normal, like he, at this point in his life, he's so famous. He's so successful. He's so, you know, talented and committed. And people who are that driven, people who are that intense seemingly all the time, you know, for me, not a perfectionist, not the best at anything in the world. I, I just, I, I don't always relate to somebody who puts that much intensity effort into perfection all the time, right? So I think there's a screw either too tight. I think saying a screw loose is the wrong term there, right? There's a screw too tight with Tom Brady. I like when he shows his real human side, uh, which he tries to do, but even some of that, it feels forced. He's like a robot sometimes, but it was a freaking layup. Rock, we talked about not missing layups. How simple is it for Tom Brady to go in the post game and be like, you know what? I was I was real excited. I wanted to make a play. Uh, it was a tough fought game. I, I blew it. Hand up. I want everyone to be responsible. I'm responsible. I done messed up the the count. It was it was fourth down. I thought it was third. That's on me. Let's move on to Cincinnati. Like how much of a layup is that, Rock? Big time. I uh, I couldn't agree more, Pete. Uh, when you you know you're QB one, you're the head coach. You've got to take the, you know, you have to take the criticism. You take the glory when you win. You got to take the criticism when you lose. He made a mistake. He's human. I got news, maybe, though. Maybe he's Does not. that happen if he's in New England? Hell no. Because you know Josh McDaniels is in his ear before the 15-second play clock. Like, sport down. Here's what we're doing. This is what we worked on. We've, we've, we've played this situation out a bunch of times. I think he's still adjusting to a different organization, a different way of doing things. And, and, you know, he obviously wanted this. He wanted a chance at something different, something he could really put his fingertips on because 
there was always that Patriots are a system. Patriots go by a certain set of rules. It's Belichick, you know, and now he had that opportunity to go with Bruce Arians, who's more of a, if you don't risk it, there's no biscuit type guy. Mm. Well, he risked it and look what happened. You lost, you're three and two, you're, you're, uh, you're at a crossroads, but they're still in first place. But, but my Carolina Panthers, who Damn. might be my foster team, they're, uh, <laughs> they're definitely trending. And, uh, and if the Saints come back on Monday night, they're right there too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not a panic moment for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as far as, um, you know, their season outlook. Right. But there is something to be said about, uh, the tightness of this ship. Is this ship really all pulling in the right direction? Are they disciplined? Are, are they the things that we associated Tom Brady and the Patriots with for the past, you know, 16 years, whatever it's been not yet. The penalties have been real bad for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's come the monitor. I don't know if I'm ready to go. I'm losing a bit of respect for him there, but very weird for him to not own up to that mistake, Pat. I'm with you, and we yeah. will have to you know, revisit this pretty much every week. We're going to have to have a Tampa Bay update at this point. I mean, Pete, let me just ask you again. You know, you, you, it's the combination of all three things. Do you have any other quarterback in the league? Forget what down it is, a.k.a. forget the game's over. Forget that you need a first down. Forget that. Run off the field without shaking the other quarterback's hand and then dodge the question twice blatantly in the post-game press conference. Any other quarterback in the league, we're crushing him. You, you're honestly telling me you didn't lose any bit of respect well, for Brady after I, that happened. I, I did, but like, I don't know exactly if, if respect is the right thing that I'm. I don't know. I, I guess I did. Maybe I did lose a little respect. Maybe it's respect that I didn't have already that I just didn't care about at that point. It, but either the respect or the admiration. Admiration, nah. perhaps. And and you know what? What was really weird for me is none of the coaches or players said that he forgot too. Like Bruce Arians easily could have just been like. Yeah, Tom messed up. It happens. Whatever. Move on. Boom. Dog. Pat, over. My, Pat, Pat, my guy, Peter Kennedy, called out the Bucks on week one. He said they were frauds. I did. I they, said they were frauds. You called it the dream team. When if Finette put that picture up, he cropped the Magic Johnson picture of walking into the arena with the Bucks, and they were done. They're out first round. That's They're going to make the playoffs. They're out first round. That's it, bro. I'm, I'm with it. I'm telling you, Kevin Garnett and uh, Paul Pierce and Darren Williams and Brooke Lopez, first I love year. that. That's what it is. And, and people are going to be like, oh, it wasn't that bad of a, a, a signing or whatever. I'm not saying that it's a, a, a catastrophically bad trade like the Nets did where they gave up a million first-round picks. Obviously, it's a different situation. But you look at now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with their injuries. Godwin hasn't been healthy. Uh, O.J. Howard's out now. Gronk looks like a shell of himself. Cameron Bray is, is you know, a nice second tight end. He's not really a true lead guy. Uh, Scotty Miller's banged up. Evans looks banged up despite his incredible performances to this point. Bro, we're looking at this team right now. They're going to probably be in the playoffs. They're going to be in a position to win. Their defense is actually freaking awesome, by the way. Uh, but I'm not feeling too hot about... Oh, Fournette's out too. I didn't even mention Fournette. They're a bunch of names... And they're not a bunch of winning players at this specific point in time, even though they're winning games uh, for the most part. They do have a winning record. I'm just not confident. I don't look at this team with any bit of confidence the way I look at a lot of other teams in this league. Obviously, the top dogs like the Chiefs, Ravens, um, et cetera, but not even like the teams like the Rams who are who are mid-high tier or a team like the Steelers who we're going to talk about in a moment. The Bucks to me, don't have the juice the way we all thought they would. And it's classic 
off-season hype moves that aren't going to lead to victories when it matters most, at least, because I do think they'll make the playoffs. Anyways, let's move on. I'm glad you remember that, Rock. We're going to have to talk about this every single week. We have to. It's the Bucks. It's Tom Brady. And I'm, I'm out on this limb, and I'm, I'm fully steering into this take. It, it is what it is. Uh, but let's move on to another team, or two teams here. We can talk about next it together. Week, next week, Bucks Packers will definitely oh. be talking about that, baby. Hondo P. And you know what? Here's a stat for you to look out for. Uh, Aaron Rodgers only been sacked, I think, three or four times this season so far, which is incredible thinking about how, uh, you know, Carson Wentz has been sacked 19 times, Joe Burrow 20 times. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been uh, sacked much. Could be partially him. Could be some great team play. Who knows? But the Bucks fly around on defense. We'll see if uh, the Packers' hot offense continues. I look forward to that matchup very much so, Rock. Uh, but let's move on. This was a good matchup this week. We had the Colts and the Browns. Pat's team, actually. The Browns there. To me, this is simple. I don't know why we all, not me, you, or specific, but in general, people were all on the Colts. Best team in the division. Oh, Phil Rivers in this system. It's going to be great with Frank Reich. Bah, bah, bah. Why in the world are we trusting Phil Rivers? I think at this point, you know, five weeks into the season, he's proven we can do the opposite, just like he proved to us over the past two or three seasons. Rock, I know the defense, you saw the Colts play your Jets. They have some some talent. They have a Jonathan Taylor, great running back. They do have some really great defensive talent. Darius Leonard has been out, though. Are the Colts, like, I don't even think we can call them frauds because they were never anything. What's up with the Colts, and how frustrating is it for you if you're watching Phil Rivers and you're rooting for him? I think uh, Phil's past his prime, obviously. Um, That that 2004 draft class, Eli, Big Ben, and Phillip, the the two before have won championships, Phil still chasing his. You thought going to a dome, you thought going to a new team, an up-and-coming team that had drafted very well. He'd be able to go into this offense with Frank Reich and, and tear it up, and he struggled. Uh, he hit a buzzsaw yesterday. The Browns are rolling. Their defense is tremendous. They had two two turnovers. Miles Garrett is a disruptive force. He's in running for the defensive player of the year. Um you know, I don't think they gave the running back the ball enough. I think Jonathan Taylor, I thought that was a great pickup in the beginning. I, if you know me, you know me, Pete. I want to run the ball, and I want to play good defense. Absolutely. I, only two two bad things could happen when you throw the football. You know that. Interception, sack. So I'm a big run the, run the ball, control it, play good defense. So Phillip Rivers is, uh, you know, He's a guy that's uh, on the end of his career, and, and they're going to be in the running for a quarterback. They'll, they'll probably strike gold before the Jets do when the Jets <laughs> pick one. They'll get the better guy at, at, at 19. <laughs> and you know what? That's the weird thing about the Colts too, right? So Chris Ballard has only gained more and more respect as a general manager. Frank Reich has gained tons of respect as a head coach, uh, especially maybe even more so with what he's done from the with the Colts as – how the Eagles has lo- have looked since he left the Eagles, right? So all these things are pulling in the right direction for the Colts. And now Phillip Rivers comes in. Oh, they're the front runner for the division, which they still very much could win. 
Um, you know, they got talent. Darius Leonard's a stud. Jonathan Taylor is a stud. Phil Rivers, he's not going to be, you know, asked to do everything anymore. Well, guess what? They're not asking him to do everything anymore, and he's still blowing it. So, uh, Pat, you're, you're obviously rooting against the Colts, right? So one of the telltale signs when you want to really see what you think about a player or a team is how do you feel when you watch them when you're rooting against them, right? So if you're um, a Knicks fan, and uh, the Knicks are a terrible example. They're never in games. If you're a Celtics fan and they're playing the Raptors and, and you now look at Pascal Siakam and you're like, eh, not scared. It really, you know, show, it shows the, the full truth of how you truly feel, right? When you're rooting against somebody, how scared you are of that person. As a Browns fan, Pat, and we'll get to the Browns in a second, are you, are you remotely scared watching the Colts offense with Phil Rivers on Sunday? Um, no, but there's also a caveat to that. Because in the last two weeks now, they've lost their star running back, Marlon Mack, and they've lost one of their star wide receivers, Paris Campbell who could be out for the rest of the year. So the fact now that Phillip Rivers is down two weapons that were huge weapons along with T.Y. Hilton, now you're asking Phillip Rivers to create more on his own than he would have, have had to. And that is where I don't feel scared because I'm under the belief like you and I think a lot of other people that Phillip Rivers is well past his prime. He does not have the arm strength he used to. That's a, it's a, he's a veteran quarterback that will – find ways to win if he has given them. And the Browns gave him no areas to win that game. They played suffocating defense. Miles Garrett in that front seven is very, very scary. And I think just in most part, Pete, you know, the, the, a lot of people were on the Colts because it's a weak division and because the recency bias of the Browns, and that is that they have been one of the worst teams in the, in the NFL in the last several years. Last year was supposed to be their step up, their huge step up. They underperformed, still won six games. This is the year now that they are breaking out. This was a statement game for them, even without Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt ran the crap out of the ball. That offensive line has been nothing but tremendous, and they're getting production from a a, a third-string running back, Dearness Johnson, who before the year I'd never heard of. So the Browns are legit, and to answer your question – no, now that Marlon Mack and Paris Campbell are down, no, I'm not scared of the Indianapolis Colts offense. Yeah, Paris Campbell sneaky there. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton is one of those guys, uh, when he's on the field, he's usually very productive, right? And just seemingly can't get in the, in the mix here with Phil Rivers and the Colts. It doesn't seem to be clicking right. I'm not scared of the Colts, but I will tell you this. They're a team that I'm just going to try and stay away from uh, as, far, as far as gambling's perspective. I, I wanted to bet the Browns so bad this past weekend. I really, really wanted to. I was just like, I think they're going to keep running the ball. I don't like the Colts. I think they're going to win. The spread was only like one, I think, by game time. Browns were minus one. It opened Colts minus two and a half, maybe. It moved a bit. Um, I ended up not betting it, which I was fine with. But I wanted to bet the Browns. It's very weird, and I don't know what you guys feel. So, Pat, you're obviously more tuned in because you're a fan. Rock, what what do you think is more prominent? People saying, you know, over not overreacting, but people saying oh, the Browns are hot, this is what they're all about, or people still saying, oh, we're getting too hyped on the Browns. I'm hearing some of both. Where where do you think it actually lands, or what have you been hearing? It's not what I'm hearing. It's what I'm seeing. The Browns are a good football team. There you go. (laughs) So you don't even care what you're hearing. And here's the thing. If, if, If Baker elevates his game, they're a really good football team. He's still, he's still throwing, you know, I don't, I think he was 20, 
20 for 35 with two picks, but two TDs. Um, that division is, you know, right now they're in third place and they're four and one. So Unbelievable. You, know, uh, you, you got an 800 winning percentage and you're in third place, but you're in the playoffs because right now, if you look at the things, I know we're only in week five, but there's only really nine teams fighting for those seven spots. Right. Um, I, I do see the Browns as a, uh, I see him in my opinion, a top four team in the AFC. That might've been the hot take of the year right there. Wow. I I, I, I'm calling the, I'm calling Baltimore. Wow. I call Baltimore bluff. I, I call Baltimore's bluff. Oh, wow. You know I'm, what? I'm and, sorry, and the second, the second time you see that type of O and you force that guy to throw, I, I don't think I, and I, I will, I'll call the bills bluff too. Oh, wow. And we didn't see the bills play the Titans yet I, I, with the Titans depleted. I, roster. Call, I, I think the Titans, I don't know. I think they're going to, I think they're going to struggle this time. They, they, they had their year where they were Cinderella with, they were going to bound you and right. hit you with play action. I'm, I'm high on, of course, the chiefs who wouldn't be, I'm high in the Browns right now. I saw it two weeks in a row. I love that rock. Let's go, baby. <laughs> woof, woof. Let's go. <laughs> About time, right? No, hey, I mean, look, they've, you know, they, they've brought in winners. They brought in Andrew Berry, who's the GM, who helped build that Super Bowl winning team with the Eagles. They brought in a, a new coach with Kevin Stefanski, which is now the, you know, the 20th coach in the last 18 years. But <laughs> I, I think they have finally found a system that's worked. They've got talent um, and, and they're playing well. And they're playing, you know, this is a team that was penalized more than most other teams in the league. They've been, they found a way to keep the penalties down. They've played disciplined. Baker Mayfield, I, I, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Pete, is trying to take care of the football more so than trying to make plays. And they're letting that offensive line lead the way. And, and the front seven, you know, this game is still one in the trenches, man. And the Browns have That's one of right. the best front sevens and offensive lines when you put those two together than most teams in this league. And it's shown. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It comes down to this. The Browns have 940 yards on the ground to this point. They have, That's the most in the league by over 100, I believe, by over 140 yards almost over the Ravens, who are obviously the, the running juggernaut, according to many. They're averaging 5.5 yards per carry as a team. They have eight rushing touchdowns. They have 12 20-plus uh, yard runs this year. 12. That's... Freaking impressive, dude. Like, I, I feel like I'm watching the, the Giants, right? And Saquon, now that Saquon's out, I don't know if they get another 20-yard rush the entire season. And, and the Browns rip off 20-yard rushes, whether it's Kareem or Dernis Johnson. I like calling him Dernis. I don't like to it's do D-Ernis. They, they, they freaking move the rock down the field, and they it's make like Baker do less. You, it's like, yo, you know PD's beating this kid. Yeah, bro. Except, you know what? When you coach me, we need to sling the rock a little bit, you know? I'm on the outside. Let's, find the, let's, <laughs> let's find the ball. Get the ball to Pete. Yeah. It's coaching right now. The Browns got it rolling. You're right. You're right, Pat. And let's let's keep it in the division, and let's keep it moving here. And I want to talk about the Steelers. So they're a team where expectations were really hard to gauge, right? Big Ben hadn't played a game uh, in, in a full year. Uh, they get the Giants week one. He looks a little rusty, but shows some signs. But gosh, damn, it's the Cowboys and it's the Steelers. When you talk about weapons, holy hell. They have, if you count James Conner, the running back, they have five guys who can freaking pop off 
James Washington could pop off. Deontay Johnson could pop off. They're the two lesser of the bunch. You got James Conner, like I said, and now freaking Chase Claypool. Holy hell. And Juju Smith-Schuster. Any given week, two or three different receivers. Now, five guys total spread around. But I'm saying two guys each week can get 100 yards and a touchdown or two. It's impressive what they're doing. And we don't even have to talk about their defense that absolutely flies around right now. The Steelers. Do the Ravens have more competition than we thought in this division? We just talked about the Browns. What are you guys feeling about Big Ben and the Steelers right now? Yeah, I said this from week one. Uh, you know, granted they were playing the Giants, but just from watching how much they dominated the Giants offensive line, this deal, the Steelers front seven is one of the best in the NFL. I've been saying that since our first podcast with Tuitt, Watt, uh, Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward, you know, Vince Williams, obviously the secondary, Hayden Fitzpatrick, you know, just rattling off that names, you can kind of make almost a Pro Bowl team just with their defense alone. Uh, and, yeah, this team is scary good. You know, again, we forget that because of the injury with Roethlisberger last year. They're playing, you know, Rudolph and Duck Hodges all year, and they still, what, went 7-9? and nine? And now you add Chase Claypool, Notre Dame guy, let's go Irish, who has automatically become a stud. You mentioned Deontay Johnson. Eric Ebron's coming into his own. I mean, there is talent all over the field. And a guy that has never gotten enough credit, even after winning a Super Bowl, is Mike Tomlin. And I think he is still, still here in 2020, proving a ton of people wrong. And this team, to me, is a lock already for the playoffs. And I think they are a very, very dangerous dark horse to maybe win the AFC title. I am that high on the Steelers. And that's from a Browns fan. I am that high on Pittsburgh. Dude. They're so fun to watch, and I, I mean, I dream of a, of, a, of a team that I root for, and we'll get into the dreaming of teams you root for, and maybe, you know, Dell mentioned before the Foster program we're going we're gonna to put into effect maybe later, but um, when you watch the Steelers, you almost start to expect chunk plays. You expect explosiveness. You expect um, receivers getting in space and then making plays with it. Now, Darius Slayton got going a little bit for the Giants, but when I watch the Giants, like, it's like a shock. It's like a big moment every single time they have a 20-yard play. And when you watch the Steelers, it's like a normalcy. Obviously not, you know, like it happens every freaking drive, but it feels like it could. And Chase Claypool got the benefit of the doubt with the four touchdowns. It could have been anybody. They have the ability, whether it's Big Ben and his, like, minor maneuvers in the pocket that, that open up so much space and angles for him. I don't know what it is exactly, but they seem to get people in space and do the most with their skill positions year in, year out when Big Ben's at the helm. It's, it's freaking impressive. And, and who would have thunk we'd be sitting here week five saying the AFC North is the best division in football? I mean, is there another division there? We were talking about the NFC West for a while. Now the Niners are starting to look a little iffy. The Cardinals are looking iffy. Is this the best division in football right now, the, the AFC North? With the freaking Cleveland Browns four and one, <laughs> you got you you uh yeah right now it is it but like we said week one this was going to be the year of depth this was going to be the year of who stayed healthy and who persevered through COVID and whatnot um but to go back about what you said about Slayton and and I watched that game uh, Cowboys Giants and. Uh, I don't know if it was Daniel Jones or if it was Jason Garrett forcing the ball to the running backs. And then you and Peter, you had talked about Gase, the dink and dunk. But if you're watching offense now and you watch the NFL, the teams that are doing well and who are moving the ball down the field 
they're using motion for impact, not motion to just, you know, move a guy over and so oh, they're, they're playing cover two or oh, they're playing cover one. Like that's 1996. Now you're motioning for impact, downfield plays, chunk, really having explosive offense. And uh, you saw that with the, with the Steelers who took a third round draft pick and just made him a household name and leave people like me miserable <laughs> that we drafted a developmental quarterback, Patty Boyle, instead of Chase Claypool. We took James Morgan, Jimmy Morgan, at a Florida international who hasn't even dressed yet, who's doing the who scout. Who even is that? I didn't even know who up. that is. That's who the Jets drafted, Pete. Our boy Joe Douglas was supposed to be a guru. Oh my he said, God. let me trade back. We'll you let the Steelers take Chase Claypool from, from Notre Dame, a reputable program, six foot four, 200 pounds, red zone threat that Sam Donald don't have. We'll take a developmental backup quarterback that would be number five on the roster right now. Unbelievable. Let <sighs> me go, let me go throw up my fettuccine <laughs> fra diablo. <laughs> <laughs> How's your Joe Flacco right now? Oh my God, it's unbelievable. Let's let's uh, let's keep the trend moving with big plays, right? A team who Dink and Dunk became a little bit too known over the past couple of years, and to the frustration of John Gruden, the Oakland, oh, the Las Vegas Raiders are now a explosive offense. Just took down the Kansas City Chiefs. They are now doing some of these things that we're speaking of, where they're pushing the envelope. It seems like when the Jets and Giants, I'm just using them as an example because we're all New York people here. You know, when Jamison Crowder pops for a big one or Slayton pops for a big one, it's like, holy hell, we did it, right? And the Raiders are now making it where it's not such a shock when Ruggs gets above the defense or uh, Aguilar, who, who seems like he should have been a Raider his whole life. I don't know why. It just feels right. And now Josh Jacobs is a stud. The Raiders are putting together a team here where Derek Carr is starting to sling it. Gruden's looking like a, a, a real coach over there. Mayock's looking like a real GM. Now I know, you know, you beat they beat the Chiefs. It's not like if they played the Chiefs again next week, we would all bet on the Raiders all of a sudden. But impressive. They're 3-2. and two. They're a good team. They got a bunch of draft picks that are starting to work out. I mean, do we think the Raiders have some juice here, like a playoff caliber juice? Or, you know, are they just a cute team that's going to be decently competitive? Spider two wide banana. <laughs> uh, I, I I love Gruden. I, I I was a huge fan of Mayock when he was on uh, NFL Network. Uh, this team's finally starting to hit its stride. Um, you know there was questions on David Carr, and I'm gonna go back to it again that they got a little thing going, and and uh, football is about momentum and chemistry. And Pete, you know it firsthand, and. Uh, I still think I go back to that big win they had on Monday night and uh, they had the video of Gruden in the locker room. He was doing the, the Samoan chant with the team and the team was all juiced up. Like don't think for one second when they were battling with the chiefs that people didn't go back to that and, and remember that moment about how connected they are. So I do think they have a chance. Um, they're uh, they're easily the second best team in this division. You know they've already beat the top dog. They're better than the Chargers. They're obviously better than the Broncos. The um, 
we just said the AFC North's going to have two of the two of the three wild cards. So they they who are they battling with? They ain't battling with the Jets. So <laughs> they're battling with Miami and they're battling with the Colts and the Patriots. If you think the Bills walk oh. away with the NFC AFC East? Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Wow. What a new age! You forget, yeah, no. Patriot, you forget that the Patriots aren't a guarantee into the playoffs. <laughs> it's true. You really do. I mean, especially since they didn't play this week, and uh, who knows what's happening with them with the COVID situations and whatnot. Um, yeah, the Raiders are no joke. I think. I think they're a team that you know we weren't sure if Carr is going to be their long term quarterback or not, and it still may be the case where Gruden's going to look to get his guy at quarterback, you know, sooner than later. But for now, forcing him to, to go outside of his comfort zone, he looks freaking good doing it. I'll tell you what, maybe he's always been... I Actually, you know what? I should say this. He's always been a guy who was able to make plays. He had a season where he was talked about as an MVP candidate, no joke. Like, that was a real thing that happened. It feels like it never happened because it was so long ago at this point. But he's a guy who's making plays. And when a team like that uh, can get some momentum, start that, that, that ball rolling of big chunk plays and knocking off some big dogs and... Really get some fire in them. We'll see. We'll see what they can do there. Uh, Pat, you have anything to add on the Raiders before we move on? Yeah, I mean, uh, Pete, you know, we, we talked about after week two and week three, you know, who's a fraudulent 2-0 team? Who's a fraudulent 3-0 team, if any? Um, it, it's kind of tough to be a fraudulent 3-2 and team with wins over the defending Super Bowl champions and a win in prime time against the New Orleans Saints. You know, we, we saw the, the loss against uh, the, the win against the Saints. And the first thing is, you know, you want to discount it because you don't want to believe that the, the Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me, are that good. And so everybody's saying, ah, you know, Breeze is getting old. They beat an old Breeze and a bad Saints team. After that, you know, the Saints have shown you they're still a good football team. They're probably going to be in the playoffs and they're still a very good football team. So you consider the fact that the Raiders started the season with the win over the Panthers and people wanted to discount that too. You say, right. oh, you know, New head coach. Panthers are tanking. Panthers aren't, right. Panthers aren't going to be that good. Look at the Panthers. They're three and two. They might be one of the most under the radar teams in the NFL. And they're doing it without Christian McCaffrey with a first year head coach and a first year offensive coordinator. And a, and a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, which in my opinion is, you know, pretty middle of the pack. So you know, win over them, win over the Saints. Yeah, they got beat pretty handily by New England. But I mean, let's be honest. And they bounced back. They gave Buffalo a scare. And then again, they made the Kansas City Chiefs look like a very average football team with a mediocre defense. Over the top, Derek Carr and, and John Gruden has, have taken a lot of flack in the last two years as being a team that is never going to go anywhere. Gruden should never have been a head coach again. Look at them now. They're at 3-2. and two. They've got a head full of steam. You can just see that team plays with a ton of confidence. And sometimes, man, a change in scenery, going from Oakland to Las Vegas – with all the, the pageantry that Vegas offers, man, they are living it up. And they are a very, very good team with a very explosive offense. And another team that drafted a receiver in the first round and gave their quarterback another weapon, something I thought the Jets should have done and did not. Right. So another team that is proving to you that sometimes having the biggest weapons sometimes is uh, the biggest threat of all. So, yeah, another team with the Raiders. I mean, there is a lot of sneaky good teams so far, man. Yeah, and, you know, are we having this conversation with the Jets, too, if Denzel Mims is playing and looking pretty good? I don't know, but he's not, so we can have this conversation and make fun of the Jets all we freaking want. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to discuss. The Raiders, though, we'll keep an eye because they can be 
a, a sneaky fun team that we're going to be watching, you know, week in, week out, compete with the best of the best. They've proven they can do it. And it's funny how it works, you know, when you when you look at the schedule early, and I said this with the Jets and the Giants, and unfortunately it doesn't matter because they're both 0-5, but I was like, oh, yeah, you know, we think the, the Giants look good. Um, or, no, we're well, I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt to the Giants because they played tight against the Steelers. I was like, I think the Steelers can be really good. Now that loss doesn't look as bad. The Jets, uh, you know, if they played the Niners tighter than any other team, it's like, oh, that's a good that's a good loss. Like, no, the Niners aren't what they thought they were going to be. So now that we're in week five, week six, moving, moving forward, we know more what wins and losses, you know, matter. Because there are such things as good losses, right? So the Raiders, obviously with a couple good wins under their belt, including the Panthers one. Good call by you, Pat. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before our final segment is this Vikings-Seahawks game. Do we start with the Vikings or do we start with the Seahawks? Because the heroics by Wilson, obviously there, but the, you know, blowing it by the Vikings also there. Where do we want to start, Pat? I think all things considered, um, and this is a little bit that, uh, you know, I still think that the Minnesota Vikings are a decent football team. You know, the record might not show it, obviously. They didn't get off to the start they wanted, but I still think that, um, you know, that this Minnesota coaching staff with Zimmer and the defensive coordinator is is still a very solid coaching staff. So, yeah, there's going to be team, you know, the, Se- the Seahawks down 13 nothing at half. And you could say, oh, wow, Seahawks, you know, they're not playing well. No, Minnesota Vikings defense is still a very solid defense. And when they run the ball effectively with Dalvin Cook, man, they just eat up the clock. So they executed their game plan perfectly in the first half. And then the fact that the Seahawks are able to score 21 points in the blink of an eye, you know, much to the chagrin of uh, a little bit of Kirk Cousins, you know, fumbling and then throwing an interception on the very next pass. Hey, they scored 21 points and got right back into that game. And they showed you that they are legit. And then even then, after that falling behind, they get a near goal line stand on fourth and one. A first down ends the game. They stop the Vikings, and then Russell Wilson, again, he's making me look more and more absurd for saying that Aaron Rodgers is still the MVP so far because then he goes down the field 94 yards in 13 plays in a minute and 40 seconds, and he again shows you that he is, if not the best, right up there with Mahomes and Rodgers as the number one or number two quarterback in this league, and the Seahawks deliver yet again and they now are one of just two or three teams still unbeaten in the NFL. So, again, the Seahawks team showed you that they can win in a variety of ways, coming from behind, scoring a ton of points, getting defensive stops when needed to. Uh, for me, again, this conversation starts and ends with Seattle because they're just that damn good. Yeah, 19 touchdowns, three interceptions for Russell Wilson. And, Rock, I want to ask you two questions specifically. Being our, uh, you know, our, our resident coach over here, what would you have done or, or how would you have handled that late game situation with the Vikings? Are you, are you pushing that fourth and inches or are you taking three and making it an eight point game? You know me, Pete, you have to ask that question. I'm going no. for it on fourth and inches. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, I was going to say you take the three and uh, you trust your defense. Cause I thought that might be your angle as well. I, you know, as much as I love defense and put faith in it, if I can't, look my O-line in the eyes and my fullback and get those yardage and have then we don't deserve to win. Right. You got to put, put money where it is. But you bring up the coaching point, and I, I want to touch on Pete Carroll, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I you know, I feel uh, 
And and this is where the Jets struggle. This is where, you know, a lot of these other teams we talked about that are struggling right now when it comes down to the head coach. Um, the mediocre coach, he tells you what happened. Pete, you, you were supposed to run a post. You really ran a slant. The good coach explains, Pete, you ran the post but you should have you should have broke it off at eight yards and instead you broke it off at ten. The great coach inspires, he motivates, he encourages, and, and Pete Carroll still doing that and making it fun. And like I said, with John Gruden in the locker room, seeing him in the locker room after that win, it's a leader of men, and it's the NFL. These guys are making more money than the coach. They, they were the best player in their high school, their college, their you-know-what. So you need a guy, an alpha, a guy that's going to rally the guys around you. And uh, Pete Carroll's got the Seahawks right where they are, and, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with the Q. Russell Wilson's the leader. Russell people are inspired to play by him. It's a shame I can't root for them because of Jamal Adams, but they got it rolling, brother. Yeah. And talk about big plays, right? They're a big play waiting to happen with Russell Wilson. Now, I want to go right back to you, Rock. So I, I like what you said. I agree with you about Pete Carroll. I agree with you about Russell Wilson, but there is a part of me that starts to get nervous when you're supposed to be a great team. You're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. You are supposed to put teams away. You're supposed to put away the bad teams. You're supposed to win convincingly from time to time, as well as come up clutch, as well as, you know, have those leadership moments that that turn into late late second victories, right? All those things are supposed to combine. To me, the flair for the dramatic with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson is wonderful, and it makes for absolute great television. But if I were a fan of the Seahawks, I would be a little nervous that they seem to only play these tight, tight games. Because at some point, the tide will flip and luck will not go in your favor. Now, maybe if you have Russell Wilson, luck can go out the window and, and he's just going to be unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. Does it well, get- he, yeah, he's got, he's, he's got, he's already got 34th quarter wins. But Think it, about that. But does it make you nervous that they only seem to play these ridiculous games? That they only no play? No doubt. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, but that's the beauty of the NFL. You, if if you go and look and you look at the score week by week, year by year, how many games are under a touchdown? How many games are, like you it's said, true. fourth and inches or do I kick? It's you know, true. Yeah, do we go for it or half, do we Half punt? the games every every week, it seems like, right? If you watch Red Zone, you know it. At 345, shit starts to get a little bit wild, right? It happens all the time. You're right. So... It's, you know, that's what makes this, it, it, that, that's the reason 11.4 million people watched the Seahawks Vikings and only 5.6 million watched the NBA. Right. Because Le- <laughs> LeBron was up by 30. <laughs> yeah. You knew you were like, it's only time. Is this, is it game four? Is it game five? Is it game six? You know? So, um, no, you, you're right. They do the, uh, the Seahawks have a feel for the dramatic, but this kid's been known to do pretty well in the dramatic, except for that little pick route against uh, our friend Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. 
Right. Otherwise, right. he's yeah. got a good he's got a good track record. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it goes to the debate now where we're talking about the Ravens, right? As another elite team in the NFL, it's like, oh, they're great when they're up, but are you trusting the Ravens to do any of these last uh, last lick heroic stuff that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are pulling off? Say the Seahawks and Ravens are are playing each other, that would have to be in the Super Bowl, right? If it becomes a close game, right? Like maybe if the if the Ravens go up twenty one nothing early, the Seahawks are you know, still can't count them out, but the Ravens are in the driver's seat. If the Ravens are down ten in the fourth quarter, do we feel like they have remotely the chance that a Russell Wilson would have? I don't. I don't know. We'll we'll consider that as we move throughout the season. But I think that was really good. Th- those teams. Uh, we didn't talk more about the Vikings, but I don't know how much more there is to say. I think they're going to hang around. They're going to be competitive. They're going to put up yards, and maybe the defense will get healthier. We'll see. But those teams specifically to me were really interesting. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed. I think this last segment should be fun too. So, uh, Patty Boyle, I'm just going to give you the floor because you're basically going to take over as host now for this last segment. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Pete. And, you know, obviously you guys are Giants fans and Jets fans. And you just flat out don't deserve to, to go through what you've went through for the last couple of years. And obviously this season, take it from a Browns fan. I had to go through a lot of pain, a lot of depression every Sunday, <laughs> knowing that you could not be happy in terms of your team. You guys are in that boat now. And I just, I don't want to see you guys go through that because honestly, I don't know if either of your teams have hit rock bottom yet. That's how bad it is. Ooh. We could be looking at 0-32 between New York football. So to save you guys from the misery, from the pain, Rock, you've hinted at it. Pete, you've hinted at it. Let's get you guys a foster football team to take care of you guys, to make your lives worthwhile on Sunday, to give you something to cheer about. Let's give you guys a foster football team to be, to be your temporary team to root for for the 2020 season. Pete? Would you like to start? Have you selected a foster football team to take care of you, to make your bed a little bit warmer at night, to maybe tuck you in <laughs> and not strip you naked and make you sleep in the street like the New York Giants? Yeah, and I think I think Rock and I both have two. And I think it's funny because, you know, we, we texted quickly in the chat to, to talk about this. And uh, I think both of we each have one for different reasons. So let's do one at a time here. I'll do one, Rock, then you do one. I'll start with my good one. And we talked about this team already. And, and it comes down to this. I want a team that is fun, that flies around, and has a chance to make some noise. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We already talked about them, so I don't want to be you know too repetitive here. But my foster family, for a team that's going to bring me some success and bring me some exciting football throughout this entire season where I could root for a team that I can trust to make plays and, and be in big games, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, holding on for that 2004 draft class is Big Ben, the lone quarterback out of that crew. He's making me feel alive with the Eli magic again, uh, Big Ben is, right? I'm proud of him, watching him sling the ball around, move it to all these different playmakers, and watching that defense is so much fun. So for my foster team that I want to go on vacation with and have a good time and watch some good football, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, fair enough. Yeah, obviously one of the most exciting teams to watch. Rock, do you have your foster family football team to take care of you for the rest of this season? I do, Pat, and it's been tough to watch because it could have been the Jets, but the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule 
and Robbie Anderson, who um, I'm, I've been marveled at that they're three and two when I thought they'd be 0 and five. CMC out didn't stop them. Their guys are uh, earning points on fantasy. Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Um, Brooklyn, this guy Brooklyn's knows how to build a Curtis program Samuel. that rule. And good for him that he said, yeah, I don't want to go to the, the Jets being from New York. I'll, I'll go to Carolina. I'll build something. I'll, I'll try and win it in the NFC South with the likes of the Saints and, you know, these good, these other good franchises. So I'm going to roll with the Carolina Panthers, baby blue, black, little silver, North Carolina, nice retirement home, the Outer Banks. <laughs> how can I not like <laughs> Carolina Panthers? Oh, I love that. That's good stuff. And Teddy, yo, Teddy Two Gloves, bro. What an easy guy to root for. Ted, I, Teddy Two Gloves, call him Teddy Two Steps after he uh, had that little uh, run two weeks ago. He's looking good out there. A guy who has consistently won football games in the National Football League, right? A guy who I think everybody who appreciates football roots for in some manner, obviously unless you're rooting against his team specifically. But after all he's been through, the Viking success, the injury, the backing up and, and winning games in New Orleans, and now he's looking like a true franchise guy in Carolina. We'll see what happens there. My second team, and Rock, I know you have another one too, it is not in the same ilk as um, as the Steelers. It's actually more so in the ilk of the Panthers, where they're 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 rebuilding, but there's an energy, and effort, and promise there that I truly appreciate. And because they're not my true team, I can live with some of their disaster. I won't lose any sleep at night. It's the Miami Dolphins, and, and first and foremost. I cannot wait to watch Tua Sling. I want him to get in there. Watching Ryan Fitzpatrick is a bit of a joy every single week because who knows what's going to happen when he's at the helm. But I like this Dolphins team. And when they were eight-point underdogs, I think it was nine points at some point against the 49ers, I was like, what is this? It was the only bet I got right this weekend. I had a horrible week. But the Dolphins compete, man. And we saw you took, Dol- you took the Dolphins too. Yeah, it was the only. Oh yeah, dude. I'm not gonna act like I know what I'm talking about because I had a terrible week. But I, I was one of my good pit picks. I think I was like two for five this week. But hey, you know you gotta take your wins where you can get them. This team competes. We saw it at the end of last year. Brian Flores, he must be doing something right because when you watch this team, they fly around. They're making plays, even if they're blowing it here and there. They're throwing picks from Fitzpatrick. I don't care. They're fun. They, they make things happen, and when Tua gets, in the team, uh, gets at the helm there, I want to be behind that team. I want to root for them. I want to see what he can do, as I think he could be the best quarterback in this draft class, um, despite you know the early good returns from Joe Burrow, even though he's getting hit 40, 42 times a game. Um, I love the Dolphins. Good energy, good effort, possible upside with an incredible talent in Tua uh, coming, in, coming in soon, maybe. I don't know. It could be any week where Tua comes in. One more, uh, you know, goal line dive from Ryan Fitzpatrick before he, you know, gets a shoulder or a whatnot, and Tua's in the game slinging touchdowns left and right. All right. Yeah, no, dude, obviously a fun team to watch. And just to, to kind of uh, gloat about that pick as well as, as you did, yeah. I mean, Garoppolo coming off a sprained ankle, uh, not having played in two weeks, and still that 49ers team having a ton of injuries. Eight points was a ton. So, yeah, it was a good pick. And they played – yeah, dude, they played for Flores, a team that plays hard. And it's a, a, another reminder that everywhere Adam Gase goes, failure follows. So, now yeah. he's out. 
Flores and the Dolphins looking like a very competitive football team. Rock, did you have a second, uh, you know, foster family football team you'd like to uh, put out there? I do. I'm going down to Hotlanta. <laughs> I'm riding with the 0-5 Falcons for a variety of reasons. Number one, I desperately need them to win a game. They can't ruin this pipe dream of Trevor Lawrence that myself and Uncle Peter Kennedy have. Um, They've got an opportunity these next three weeks with a new head coach in Raheem Morris um, to beat. They have the um, Vikings, as we talked, a struggling team. They play the Broncos, and then they they get to play my other foster team, the Carolina Panthers. So, because after that, Patty Boyle, it gets real scary for the Falcons. So, these three weeks, I need a win to get them out. I think Matt Ryan, uh, he's been a, you know, he's been a very good, uh, better, than, better than average quarterback in the NFL. I think he's got a little bit left in the tank that he could win a game or two, I pray and hope. Because... Um, Last thing I need is the Jets to go 0-16 and get the third pick. That would be so <laughs> Jetsy. Mike, let me ask you a question, man. Do you do you enjoy pain? Do you like being hurt? You have went for, you your favorite team is 0-5 and the worst in the league, and you are choosing another 0-5 team that's just fired their head coach. Because they made the right move. They're already starting the the process of how do we get Dabo Sweeney, how do we get Urban Meyer? How do we get Urban uh, Eric Bieniemy, a guy that's going to change the program? So, and yes, I do. Pete knows it. Pain is temporary. Pride lasts forever. Hey, that's like a pick. I love that. I love that pick, Rock. That's amazing. It's a twofold pick where you're saying I don't really care if the Falcons lose, except if they they just need to win one or two. Just give me one or two. So T Law's coming to New York one way or another. <laughs> And That's mind awesome. you, we're doing this in week five, not in week 13. Yeah, dude, you're going to feel very, very, very nervous. And it's going to be very painful if we get to week 11 and both teams are so 0-10. Oh, I, I still – I'm telling you, I feel I feel Donald coming back in week eight and he'll he'll throw four touchdowns to everyone in New York. Be like, he's back. He's great. Let's go Jets. Yeah. They'll upset somebody on a down week. Oh, the Giants and Jets have have a special way of not completely bottoming out. It's so it's like actually impressive how close they get to rock bottom without actually getting there, and they just give you the little bit of hope or that one last victory that it's like we did. We really need that win. Do we really need to to go uh, for four wins and and get the eighth pick instead of three wins? And now we would have been at four. It seems like the Jets and Giants just can't get out of their own way, whether they're winning or losing. I could speak for days. The, he, <laughs> the, the runaround play that Donald threw to Robbie Anderson when they beat the uh, Bills two years ago, you lose that game, you get Nicky Bosa, you, you got Quentin Williams. Guy had more arrests than sacks. <laughs> Unbelievable. Pat, do you want to throw in a foster team? And now that you need one, you're a Browns fan, they're good. Do you want to throw one in that you would just like kind of like to watch this year or something like that? I don't know, just for funsies? Yeah, sure. Um, Putting you on the spot here. Just to cut, no, just to kind of add to the conversation. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of 
Okay, now you kind of did for me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's all uh, good. It's all good. Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Chargers. Okay, I stick with. I'm gonna take the Chargers, and mostly because all of March and April I was clamoring that Justin Herbert should be the first quarterback taken off oh, the wow. board instead of everybody's famed pick of Tua. I was I was going over the tape. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like I was watching Oregon football every weekend and week out for the last three years. You're checking uh, those maybe YouTube's. A, maybe a little while ago when they had Chip Kelly, but um, no. But just kind of watching every you know all the tape like everybody does and, and proclaims to be an expert. I just saw what I saw and I said, this guy Justin Herbert. He's a big kid. He's got a big body. He's very athletic. Even with that, he ran a very very fast forty yard dash. Throws the football with a lot of a lot of zip on it. And I was like, I think this guy's uh, going to change change the L.A. Chargers. Um, and, you know, by luck or by conspiracy theory, whatever you think really happened with Tyrod Taylor with the doctor stabbing mm. him in the lungs. Sad, Sad to see Just, it. Justin Herbert is getting his chance, and I, I think he's making the most out of it. So I'd like to see Anthony Lynn, and I'd like to see the Chargers kind of be a, a dark horse, even though they've gotten off to a one-and-three start. As we're recording this, they're in a dogfight with the Saints on Monday Night Football. So – I'll take the Chargers as my foster team. That's a team I'd like to see do well. Love it. I love sticking to a take. I uh, unfortunately have to stick to my take as I like Sam Darnold out of the draft, so I have to root for him. But Tua was my guy in the draft over Joe Burrow, so I'm, uh, I picked the Dolphins. So we're on the same wavelength there. But Subway Sports Talk, this has been a fun episode. It's been a long time, it feels like, since we spoke last. Obviously, we had the uh, week off with the, you know, I, was, I wasn't feeling too hot. But now we're back, and we're better than ever here on Subway Sports Talk with PPR. Points per reception? No, that's Pat, Pete, and Rock. That's what it is. Uh, but last words on Subway Sports Talk as we do every single episode. Anything you want. It could be football. It could be another sport. It could be not sports-related. Uh, whatever you want to do. Subway Sports Talk. Last words, Rocco Del Puri. What's up, dude? Felt good to get back at it tonight, Pete. Um, missed it last week. Glad we're back at it. Rocking and rolling forward. Uh, I just wanted to... Let the whole world know that our host, he, he, he may be an excellent host, but he's a way better softball player. <laughs> he, he had three plays, Pat. <laughs> Played a mean center field. He was a five-tool player, if a power, if an average. Played the field and led the team to a big victory. It was always great. Looking forward to next week. Pete, you're the man. Oh, man, you're buttering me up. You know what? I I, I just, you know, you. I said it to you earlier. I, I missed the big play, though. I may have made a couple of nice plays in the outfield. I had a chance to rob a home run, like a legit robbery, and I freaking boofed it, man. Oh, ran, ran into the fence a little early, didn't get it. Very upsetting. keep you up at night, but you oh. made more plays. You made the next play. That's all that matters. Uh, well, also, all that matters, I'm still sore. It's, what is it, Monday night? We played Saturday. We played three softball games. I am still sore on Monday night. Oh, my God. Patty Boyle, last words for Subway Sports Talk. Yes, really quickly. Just going back to before, I think I might have said that, you know, to take Herbert as the first quarterback off the board, obviously Burrow was the consensus number one. What I was talking about was, you know, before ah, Tua. The so point, just to the clarify point, that, the point was anybody had. Here, in case anybody heard that and, and started getting on me. Um, but no, my last words, looking ahead in case we don't meet together before week six, which usually we meet after the weekends on Monday night, like we've been doing week six, Giants get their first win. Oh, they beat Washington. That's not a real, you know, stunner of a pick, 
I've seen enough from Washington. They're a very bad football team. I'm scared for Alex Smith. Luckily, he's going up against a Giants defense, so he should not get hurt. He should stay <laughs> relatively protected. But the Giants, they've competed very well, and this is a game they should win. And I think they do win it. I don't think you see a, a, a miserable loss. Giants get their first win. On the flip side, your Jets – just don't watch the game. I'm telling you, <laughs> don't watch it. I don't see any surprises. I see Adam Gase going back to his old team, and I see the Dolphins laying the hammer on the New York Jets on Sunday. The spread is eight points. They're begging you to take the Jets. Take the Dolphins. They're going to cover them. Oh, you. my God. I love it. I they love that passion. Picked, I already picked up uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as my quarterback after Dak went down. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, fantasy legend. Yeah, somehow, some way, he'll get you twenty points. I don't know how he does it. Oh, Pat, I love that that energy right there with the New York sports teams. Uh, I've been one of those idiots who's bet the Jets. I think like at least three times already this year. I'm like, come on, they're going to cover eleven. They're going to cover. Nope, maybe they're just not going to cover anything, and that's how that's going to be. Uh, my last words are moving on to basketball twofold. Uh, I'll talk about this, you know, before the intro. I'm gonna do a little something, something before that, but. You know, the Lakers won the championship. Not going to get into that right now. Uh, but that, you know, the bubble, I just want to say this, great success bubble. The only unfortunate part is that the, the finals probably felt the most anticlimactic of any of the rounds. Uh, I don't know if the juice left the bubble after the conference finals, which were actually really, really fun, or maybe the second round, which was probably the best round um, in the NBA. But basketball was kind of an overload. And I think even basketball fans are, you know, taking a deep breath and saying, all right, we need to reset. Good for you, Bron. Good for you, Lakers. We'll, we'll get back into this later. I will just say this. The NBA draft is sneaking up on us, and I'm starting to look at some of these players. I'm starting to watch those YouTube clips that I can find, whatever I can get my hands on, and I'm thinking about these New York Knicks. What the hell are they going to do at seven? The one guy. I just want you to do this. If you're starting to think about the NBA draft like me, I'm just going to say one name. I think I've said it on the pod before. Tyrese Halliburton. He's a guy who ranges on the mock draft front from like four to like 11. He's a dude who I really, really like out of Iowa State. Multi-talented, big guard who can play make, can put the ball in the hoop a little bit, can play some defense. Tyrese Halliburton, that's my guy. We'll be back with the basketball wrap-up and then NBA draft stuff in a couple weeks. But of course, you know, Pat, we might have to come on here on like a Friday and just do picks straight up, a little gambling heavy pod. We need to get into it. Might have to. Might have to. That's it. We might have to. And we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Subway Sports Talk, this has been a blast. As always, Rocco Del Puri and Pat Boyle. I'm P. Kennedy. This is SST, Subway Sports Talk, baby. You guys have a great day and a better week.